Well, JP, this week I am pleased to report that we have survived the end of the year banquet and all that goes into that. And now I'm faced two days later with the next challenge, which is now how do I motivate my athletes to come in during the off season so that we can come back better next November than we left off here this March. Now, one of the big challenges for us with that is we have 35 players in our program that are all at different levels of their commitment to the game of basketball. Our, our top kids, we have three or four that are, they are passionate about the game. They're going to shoot on their own. They're going to work out on their own. They're going to get a thousand shots a week from now till November. And then we've got 31 other players who have a wide range of commitment, both to the team and to the sport. And so the challenge, of course, becomes now in the spring as we plan ahead for the offseason is how do we reach and motivate players that are all over the spectrum in terms of their off-season commitment? So one of my biggest challenges was that I would always want everybody on my team to be that dream athlete. And what I mean by that dream athlete is that I wanted everybody to be committed in the off-season to their own training, their own skill development, the weight room, their nutrition. I wanted them all in. But the reality is not every player that I coached had the same aspirations, had the same level of commitment or work ethic when it came to our sport. And it was honestly unrealistic for me to expect that. JP, I know that unrealistic standard that you're talking about there sometimes is reinforced by all the things that we see on social media and we read in newsletters and things that arrive in our inbox that say, let's look at Steph Curry's workout. If you do this, you'll be able to shoot the ball like Steph Curry or become a better passer like LeBron James or what have you. You know, you'll read stories about Kobe Bryant making 1,500 shots a day in the offseason. And then you look at your players and think, I don't have anybody that's doing that without necessarily realizing that Kobe Bryant and LeBron James and Steph Curry, they are paid professional athletes. This is what they do for a living. It's their job and it's their career. My players are taking seven classes. Two of them are AP. They're playing two other sports. They got a part-time job and they got to shuttle their little siblings around all summer to get them to swim lessons and piano lessons and that sort of thing. So the challenge becomes how do we reach the players where they're at to help them to be able to contribute when the season rolls around again to making your team as good as it can be. Welcome to the Coaching Culture Podcast. I'm JP Nurbin and I'm joined by my co-host, Nate Sanderson. In this episode, we discuss practical ideas to help you develop as a coach and build your team's culture. Now we want to get you out of here in 30 minutes or less, so let's get started. You're listening to episode 78, Two Paths to Excellence how to coach the performance athlete and the recreational athlete. This is part four in our series with Mark Bennett. Absolutely. I think this is a great segue into kind of the last thing I wanted to talk to you about, which is what I love how you define this is the player, uh, sorry, the the leisure versus performance athlete. And I think that defining the difference between these is critical to having an athlete centered approach towards coaching. Can you define what is, in your opinion, a leisure athlete and what's a performance athlete uh, to start off with here? Yeah, so I'll start with a simple version and we can delve in as deep as you want. So the simple version is a leisure athlete could be in a pro professional team and the performance athlete could be a novice on their first day. So it's based on a fact of not doing what you want to do, doing what you need to do to the best of your ability every time to be the best you can be based on what you've set is your desired outcome. So a leisure athlete is somebody that 
when coaches watching, they'll do what needs to be done. They'll be they'll really commit to the stuff they're good at and they like doing, and they'll attempt never to do the stuff that they're not very good at and they need to get better at. When no one's watching, they'll just do the stuff they like. So they'll shortcut on their nutrition, on their training. When they when they should be going away and practicing some move, they won't. They'll just be kicking the ball or hitting the club because that's what they like doing. That's a leisure athlete. A performance athlete will be identifying what they need to do to be the best they can be and doing the best they can, whether someone's watching them, head coaches watching them for the selection or no one's around. When the, when the days are wet and cold, they're doing what they need to do to the best of their ability every time to be the best they can be because they're just focused on the here and now. So this is where you could have a novice golfer that goes, this is my first day at golfing. What, what do I do to be the best golf player I can be? And the golf says, well, you just need a short game is really important. So I want you to put 20 minutes a day just into your putting and then just working on your grip, stepping in and working on your grip and your stance. Now, that person will go away and purely do those things and be able to self-review them. They'll never pick up the driver and try whacking it because the coach has said that's what you need to do. So when they go in between sessions, that's what they will do. So what you can do within a team is you can actually start observing and scanning for these behavioral links to identify with the players which are leisure and which are performance. Now, this really helps you when you have a player that actually is not performing to their potential but is easily cruising and still getting picked because he or she feels, I'm still best in the team, I'm still going to get picked. And you're looking at them thinking, you're my leisure athlete right there. You're just your potential is far greater or you're at a different stage than the people around you. So this is really good because once you get this data, when you have the conversation with them, you can ask them where they want to go. And if they start saying, I want to be, I want to get a pro card. I want to be the man. I want a full-time career. I want to be in the NBA. So you say, okay, so what do you need to do to be there? Now they may not be able to answer that, but they will be able to answer. What do you need to be good at to be there? So look at your physical, look at your speed, your power, um, look at the, how you run the ball, all the elements. They'll be able to tell you, bam, bam, bang. Okay, so let's look at that's what it takes. Now let's look at your present behavior. So let's look at what you, you're doing now and look at your behaviors aligned to what you want to achieve because there's a bit of conflict right now. So we need to make a choice. So we either make the choice where we say, keep doing what you're doing. We just need to recalibrate your goals. So you never make NBA, no chance. But you could, make, you could make this level based on your present behaviors, day in, day out, what you're doing. That's cool. And they go, no, 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 I want, I want this one over here. I want this. Okay. So here's the behaviors you need in order to get that. So let's agree or disagree. Can you share with me what that looks like? Share with me what the difference is so they tell you and say, okay, so if you're saying you want this goal, what do you need to change in order to achieve this goal you say is important to you? Because your present behaviors will only get you here. So which one do you want? And if they say, I want that one, I want the big goal. Okay, what support do you need in making the changes? What does that look like to you? Then you agree non-negotiables with that person on them. What's acceptable, unacceptable? What do you need from me and the other players to help you to hold you accountable in those moments when you want to go back to the want and not to the need? Let's agree there now so we can support you to your goal. And all of a sudden now, they're telling you a framework of the what-ifs to hold them accountable to what they said is important to them. Now, often what I do is I say, okay, if they're saying the, the players need to help them, okay, how about sharing this before session, before a session, five minutes before sharing it with the players? So then they share with the players what it is they've realized and what they need help with them. And then we make sure we follow it through. 
So it's a really, really powerful way for those players that are really cruising, but they're cruising because they're in the small fish pond. But actually, you can recognize once you step out of here, you're, you're going to be tripping up. So it's my responsibility as a coach to help you be the best you can be, to raise your awareness to the choices and help you decide which choice you really want, linked into their non-negotiables and the parameters of acceptables and unacceptables. What I really love about that, first off, is that you're just helping them to become self-aware, right? And in a way yep. here, you're really not calling them out on certain things, you're calling them up on uh -huh. here. It's like, hey, this is where you want to go. And then you're having this yep. a discussion around it. The other thing I really like, which I think is critical, is that you're making it okay for them to be a leisure athlete in one sense. Like if they don't want to become Steph Curry, yeah. that's yeah. okay. And it really should be, in it's my fine. opinion. Like that's fine. Yeah. And, and you're just letting them become self-aware that their behaviors are leading them towards this objective, this outcome, um, and to this level of performance. And you're not pushing this on them. And I think so often as coaches, we can be very pushy. And we give examples of, well, you know, Steph Curry stayed after practice every day and he shot, you know, 10 free throws with his eyes closed and swished all of them before he left. You know, like we we use these examples. And that's, I think a lot of times kids are, well, I'm not going to be Steph Curry. I probably don't really want to no, no. be, you know, so I think yeah. that's huge. And the key thing to that as well is you could have a whole team. It's 50-50 or even 80% leisure, 20% performance. You have what you have. So it's worth having the team discussion. I use a line. Where I use a line on the court and just say, okay, let's just identify who we are and who we want to be. Very honestly, there's no right and wrong here. And then ask them to commit to, you know, who wants to be a great player, even if it's this season, to be the best team we could be with what we got. It could be simple as simple as that, never mind going beyond that. And then, okay, and ask them what are the things we need to do to be the best team we can be. And then ask them to step over the line if they want to do those things. And they all step over the line generally because they've all said, okay, so now step over the next line if you're doing them day in, day out right now. And then you have less stepping over that line. And you say, okay, so now we have a bit of a difference here. So can you now share, if you're all saying, you've all said you want this, but now some of you recognize you're not doing it every time, let's agree and let's discuss what do we need to do differently to all be able to step over this line and how can we help each other? So we're kind of starting this conversation about supporting using the rule of three in a discussion kind of way. What do we need to do differently if we've said we all want this? But the other thing keying into is if we've got performance and leisure that are mixed, which generally we will have, especially at the lower levels, is making sure they understand that it's being selfless and selfish. So with the leisure players, we've got to be saying to them, look, we don't want to hold these guys back, do we? Because that's what they want, and we want people to do as best as they can. So what can we do to be selfless, to not reduce training, to help them still be performance while we still enjoy ourselves in the leisure? And then we say to the performance guys, okay, we don't want you to hold you back, but understand you might get frustrated with some of these guys that won't commit to the same as you, but that's cool in this team because that's where we are. So what can you do to make sure that actually you're not negatively impacting on your performance because you're getting frustrated with Stevie knowing Steve, Stevie's leisure? So how can we work together to be selfless and, and, and selfish to actually make sure that we're doing what we want to do but not holding anyone back, in fact, helping other people be the best they can be? And then you can start that dialogue. So there's no conflict. Then you can set your non-negotiables based on what the team is to be the best we can be. Yeah, and I think that's critical because when you're setting out those behaviors, um, you still, 
you know, I think some coaches might think that the leisure, the leisure athlete here, that we're dropping the standards of like in practice or in training. Well, they don't have to, they don't have to come in and they don't have to work hard. They don't have to have a good attitude. And it's not necessarily that, but you're kind of differentiating uh, between, all right, those people that are going to come in here, train hard, work hard, work at that level. But then there's this extra level you can operate at and we're going to support both types of people. Yeah, very much so. And you will find that a lot of the leisure do switch into performance once you set this culture up. It's, it's amazing how many switch over. We, what we don't want is anyone that's not being lazy in training. So we, we turn up on time. We do the best. We do an excellence in a training session. But the performance guys will be doing, they'll be nailing their nutrition better. They'll be doing their SNC more. They'll be doing their individual practices better outside of these parameters because that's what they want to do. They'll watch videos of tactical awareness of different players and games because of their performance. The leisures may not do that extra stuff, but they will still pursue excellence in the session and make sure they'll back in the support in the other guys based on their own goals. So it's really being clear, and this is where it can be really interdependent and productive. And, and I see a lot of coaches getting frustrated where they say, well, I've got a mixed ability group, Mark. I says, well, great, but it doesn't stop you pursuing excellence and having a fully engaged, high-performance session. Yeah, I remember as a coach years ago, initially I had, you know, you have to come to off-season. I was kind of really implementing. I had attendance. And I was like, there's a lot of accountability on that. And I was trying to force on nutrition diets here, like upon all the players. And then I changed up my approach and, and stopped taking attendance. Uh, just started really emphasizing that this extra training was totally optional. And it was about essentially, if you want to take your game to the next level, you'll be here. And that if you'd like to talk to me about nutrition, I'll work with you. And then initially a few players, you know, maybe the attendance dropped down and few players, maybe one or two guys came and talked about nutrition and all that. But as people started to see the benefits and as they started to see other people really committed to it, uh, they wanted to be a part of that that type of level of training, that level of nutrition, and doing the extra, like you said. Yeah, you, you do see that transfer over because they realize no one's forcing them to do it, but they see see the value of it. And that's, that, that's the difference between me and the difference between fun and enjoyment. I don't, I'm not a fan of using the word fun because sometimes fun can be just running around, passing the ball and kicking it. It gets nothing. But enjoyment, anyone at any ability, at any, any level of any age, can actually enjoy a session. And what we want to is how enjoyable can a session be. And when, when children or senior guys become more engaged in a session and realize their opinion matters and they're part of the team, it's amazing how many their motivation and drive to want to do better increases. And that's back to the culture we develop. Mark, I think one of the most powerful things about all the things we've discussed here today is just the empowerment of giving kids a voice and giving athletes some guidance just in how to, um, like it isn't just empowerment of their skills. When I think about, you know, even your example here between leisure and performance athletes, you're creating a visual for them. It's almost experiential in a very safe way that allows for conversation. You know, and when I think back through my career and, and some of the conversations that I either wish I would have had or wish our players would have been able to have, a lot of it is the fear of either players um, offending one another or um, taking offense or taking something as a personal affront. And I think just through all of these strategies that we've talked about, it's, there's just an effectiveness here of... Um, of undermining all of that and just creating this safe place and these communication tools. As JP said before, 
that uh, not only are going to serve our athletes when we're in sport, but hopefully for the rest of their lives. And that, that's probably what I appreciate the most out of our conversation here today. And that, that actually links into the coaches as well, because everything you said there, I'll give you a great example. I was working in a, this is quite common actually feedback I get, but I was working in a school um, where one of the coaches was a coach I worked with, and then we went in and worked with the teachers. And one of the teachers said to me, he said, Mark, you know, I'm really annoyed with you. And I said, well, why is that? He says, well, you've got me changing my behavior now outside school. And I said, well, what do you mean? He says, well, you've got me thinking about the choices I can make in life based on what I want. And I was, I love my fitness, but because school was so tough with me, I, I was getting frustrated. I wasn't doing the fitness because I wasn't doing the fitness. My nutrition was bad. So what I was doing now is when I woke up in the morning, my alarm went off. I used to press snooze and get the tube into work, but now you're ringing in my head. So I set the alarm, I goes off, I get straight out of bed, I have a good breakfast, and I cycle into work now, not getting the tube. So you've changed the way I think about my choices I can make in life as a teacher. And we see the coaches I work with, they, one of the big things is say, I'm now speaking differently with my kids and my wife and my husband. And it's, this is this transformational thing that we're saying, this is not about sport. We're using sport as a tool to develop great people. And sometimes we forget when we invest in the influences, that's where we get the biggest ripple, as opposed to always focused on the player. Let's focus on the coach and the managers because they're the very people that are influencing the players. And then we get that ripple effect that's life-changing. Yeah, I think you've touched on something which I think is so critical, uh, which is that mentorship piece that it doesn't just, that, I, that I've found in working with coaches that is just so special and so amazing. It's not the story so much about the change in their team, but like in the change with their relationships with their children, uh, with their spouse. And it really comes back to this kind of core principle, I think, of, you know, if you want to become a better coach, you really just got to start become, by becoming a better person <laughs> and putting yourself in a better place. And um, you can't skip that. You can't, I don't really think that you can become that much better of a coach uh, and still remain who you are as a person, the way you operate um, day to day, you know, day in and day out. So I really appreciate you coming on and sharing with, all, with us some amazing tools to help us as coaches, but also as people. Um, how can people get in touch with you? How can we get you to America again sometime soon? Well, my Twitter's PDS Coach, Papa Delta Sierra Coach. Uh, uh, my website's pdscoach.com. Makes it very simple. Yeah, it's, it's a case. I mean, I'm really passionate about doing more work in the state. So I know I'm, I'm doing a fair bit with Cleveland Indians at the moment and their community, but any collegiate system, any pro sport team or any organization that just wants to set up a better structure to to help support and develop the coaches or just running a masterclass, just get in touch. And if we can find a venue or we get anybody that goes, yeah, you know, let's just make it happen. I'm, I'm, I'm a single guy with two dogs. So when somebody provides an opportunity, I'll get on a plane and I'll be there. So what Mark has presented to us as coaches as we're going into the off-season, I think it's a total shift in typically the way that we have done things in the past. I know that typically you bring your team in, you say, here is the off-season workouts, the level of commitment that we're expecting from you. Here's the team camps. you got to be at this. We leave them with a few inspirational quotes about how players are made in the off-season and teams are made in the season, and then we just off we go. And then we spend so much time that off-season being annoyed at players when they're not following through on the commitment, tracking them down, you know, where are they? Why aren't they at these workouts? And what Mark is suggesting is a real paradigm shift for us as coaches, where instead we bring the players in and say, hey, what do you want? 
You know, where do you want to go? We, we can do that as in one-on-one meetings. We can do it as a team meeting. You know, what do you want out of this experience? What are your aspirations? And then to help them to become aware of the way that they're currently training, the way that they're currently preparing and trying to achieve those things. And I think that's a completely different shift than what we typically see and what, what we've typically done in coaching. Well, I think one of the most valuable questions that is part of what Mark discussed here today is really helping players to count the cost of their ambition. In other words, if they're a rotation player that wants to become a starter or they're somebody that didn't score a lot that wants to be somebody that scores a lot, you know, that there's a cost associated with that type of improvement, whether that's individual or as a team. And I think I think too often players focus on the goal and not necessarily on what does it take to get there and are they willing to pay the price in order to try to pursue the thing that they want to accomplish. And this is a great way to be able to engage in that conversation with your players. This approach, I think, really makes room and space for a healthy, balanced option for a lot of our athletes. I think so often there is this um, pressure from on social media, from parents, from other coaches, to be all in or you're not in. Right? You either got to be all in or you're not in. And the reality is there's so many really good, healthy things that kids can be involved in in the offseason. Other sports the school play, you know, going on mission trips, being involved in just having a summer job, right? There's so much value in that. And with all the stuff that we put on kids' place these days, we don't even leave room for that, for them to actually hold down a real summer job anymore in, in a lot of situations. And I think that what this approach does is it leaves space for people to not have to have this, well, I'm either all in or I'm not in, but they can have this place where they have this balance the balance in their life where they can still experience life as a kid while also pursuing excellence like Mark Bennett talks about. The last thing, JP, I would say about just this whole topic of how do you coach performance athletes versus recreational athletes, I think some of the other things that can happen on a team when you have various levels of commitment is that there can be sometimes conflict and jealousy where your performance athletes are looking at your recreational athletes and they're saying, well, they're not as committed, they're not dedicated to going and you know, winning a championship or they're not willing to pay the price. And that can create some friction on a team. And I think when you have conversations like this in a healthy way, that, that you not only honor the players that have other things going on in their life, as you mentioned, but in how you approach those differences as a coach is going to set the tone for how those players react to those differences within the team. For example, you know, when we have multi-sport athletes in the summer that go to soccer showcases or they do other things and they only maybe make half of our workouts – if I'm approaching that and saying, I'm just happy when you're here, and not in a mocking way like, oh, well, we're so happy you could be here today, but in a way that just says we value the fact that you're here when you can be here based on your priorities, and then we just coach them as well as we can coach them when we're there, I think it helps other players to be able to react in the same way just to be glad that they're there on that particular day. Because I think ultimately what we're trying to create in our culture is a place where both types of athletes they can work out and they can be invested in what they want to invest in. And yet we can have a community where everybody belongs, regardless of where they fall on the on the commitment continuum. And the thing that we found going into year three here at Linmar is that when players love to be together, like they'll show up and be together to work out. They'll show up to be together in the weight room, right? And so if you create that space where it's not status isn't determined by their total amount of hours or the commitment that they're making, but that they're valued when they're there, 
we found that they tend to be there more often because we honor whatever commitment level they're willing to give. Yeah, 100%, Nate. Now that's it for today's episode. If you enjoyed our conversation with Mark Bennett, be sure to check out my other podcast called Culture Builders. He shares a few things there as well. Also, if you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to subscribe to Coaching Culture Podcast so you don't miss any future episodes. And go to thriveonchallenge.com. Subscribe to the weekly newsletter there where you get the coaching notes PDF files every week. And you can check out my book, Calling Up, Discovering Your Journey to Transformational Leadership.